Good morning, church. Uh, I, I work with students the way he mentioned. And uh, typically when I'm with students, I say, what's up, fam? And they repeat it. So will y'all help me feel at home and let's try it. What's up, fam? What's up, fam? That was incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I've been praying for you. Like many of you, I hope all of you, I was with my family for Thanksgiving. And uh, even my family got into praying for you too. And we just asked God to meet you in this place. Before you walked in the building, even this morning, I was praying over this room and asking God's presence to be here. I know that God is omnipresent and we'll get to that later theologically, but there's something about asking God's presence to come and us experiencing that together. But I have a word for you and I hope it blesses you. I want to start with a story. So uh, when I was 13 years old, I uh, entered into my first serious relationship, okay? Uh, she was the woman of my dreams. I mean, I had lived 13 years. I knew it. I've seen them all at this point. And uh, she was just someone that, you know, six months dating, like, we need a song. We need a song to, to seal the relationship. If you were born in the 80s or 90s like me, you know every relationship needs a song. And so for me, I chose uh, a song called With You by Chris Brown. And I'm, I have a clip of it for you. I'm going to show you a clip, but as you watch this and experience it, I want you to imagine 13-year-old me, just big head, small body, singing and dancing this to my first ever girlfriend. Check this out. <laughs> Oh yeah. Look at the footwork, friends. On the knees. That's all I got for you this morning. Oh my word, he said, if you ever let me go, I would die. What was I saying at 13? Uh, needless to say, it's a great song. Two months after we used that song to seal our relationship, uh, we broke up. It was terrible. <laughs> it's a bad breakup. Um, because here's what I've learned. I learned that when 13-year-old me tells anyone I will be with you, I will probably dump you two months later. <laughs> But a little more seriously, even when adult me and perhaps adult you, we make a commitment. We make a promise. We give somebody our word. We don't always perfectly keep it, do we? This morning, I love that we get to look at a God who's a promise keeper. We get to look at a God, like Luke said, man, that if he said it, as the people of God, we're going to believe it. If he said it, we believe it. My girlfriend and I didn't even make that uh, illustrious one-year mark together. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that if God is with me, no one could be against me, okay? And what we're going to look at in Scripture is three Old Testament heroes, men, however you want to refer to them, who experienced this promise of God's presence in their life. And we're going to look at how it impacted them and how that relates to us today. We serve a God that keeps his word. And 
I want to kind of paint this picture for us. The same God that spoke solar systems into existence, the same God that named and labeled stars in the galaxy, the same God that made mountains rise and valleys sink, that's the same God that tells you this morning four words, I am with you. Imagine that kind of God being with you. I believe that's true for us this morning. And I want to prove it. This has been his deal, his plan from the very beginning. Look at Genesis 1, verse 26. The Bible says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Friend, you are created in the image of God. When was the last time somebody told you that? I hope it wasn't that long ago, but hear me this morning. You were created in the image of God, no matter how you look or where you come from. And God's desire is to be with you. And so to kind of premise our talk, God's desire is to be with you. And then God's design is for you to be with him. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It just, unless you're allergic to peanuts, I don't want to kill you this morning. But what I'm trying to say is that these things go perfectly together. God and his desire to be with you and your design, your makeup to be in communion with him. You were designed to be in his presence, friends. God created the world with you in mind and God created you with him in mind, made in his image. The first man I want to glance at together from the Old Testament, his name is Gideon. And maybe a lot of us know the name. Gideon lived during a time of oppression in Israel. Uh, the people of God at the time were under this Midianite oppression for seven years at this point. And of course, God being God, he shows up. Judges chapter 6, verse 12, here's what happens. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I'll read the rest of that verse later in our third point, but here's what I want you to get. God doesn't only say that he's near, watch this. God speaks identity over you when he's near that you don't even believe yet for yourself. That's good. I, for me in 2020, I'll be honest, all cards on the table. I've lost my identity several times this year. I've lost who God made me to be. I was hiding under a tree, if you will, like Gideon was several times this year. And I needed God to call me a mighty warrior, even when I wasn't acting like one. That's the God that we serve. He speaks things into existence that aren't even there yet. And he does that with our identity. His desire is to be with you. And as we near the end of 2020, I have a few thoughts I want to share. The first one is... God's presence is the plan. God's presence is the plan. I know that uh, the language of God pre- God's presence could be ambiguous and like hard to, to figure out. As, as I said earlier, God is omnipresent everywhere at once, but there's something about you waking up and saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Allow me to walk in your ways. Allow me to be aware of what you're doing. Hey, you wake up different. You try it tomorrow morning. You say, good morning, God. Let's go. I'm ready. His presence is the plan. God sees the end from the beginning. God is sovereign, but he doesn't always give us every detail, does he? 
And it's super frustrating because we have questions like, God, how am I going to step out in faith? I need a plan. God, how am I going to lead my family spiritually? I need a plan. God, how am I going to do mercy or love mercy, do justice and walk humbly? I need a plan. And God just says, I'm with you. (laughs) That's the plan. So frustrating. But God is generous. Here's why. Because even though he doesn't give us every detail of our plan or his plan for us, he does give us weapons though. And like any moment in time when you're about to enter into a battle, you need some weapons in order to go in confidently. And I'm not specifically talking about, you know, earthly war. I'm talking about the battle of the mind. (laughs) I'm talking about the battle against sin in the world. I'm talking about the battle so that our kids and our kids' kids could know Jesus and not be lost in this world, that battle. And so the weapon that he gives us, he gives us several, but one is the weapon of song. I know. The weapon of song. I don't sing well, but when it comes to singing out to God, I know that that's a weapon for me. Song in the Old Testament was used to celebrate victories. It was used to worship God, to praise him, to declare victory in advance before they even happened. Song is a weapon. And I want to point you to one psalm this morning, super popular song. But I think, I hope, that something will stand out to you that's a little different. So we just looked at Gideon. Now let's point our attention a little bit to a man named David, known uh, for many things in the Bible. But in summary, he's a man that went from working the field and being overlooked to ruling the palace and kind of being the man. And he writes this, Psalm 23, verse 1. Look at this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Watch this. Even when, even when, come on, somebody say, even when. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I would not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even when, can I preach a little bit? Even when I struggle, even when I'm anxious, even when I'm lonely, even when I'm misunderstood, even when I'm overlooked, even when no one else gets what I'm going through, even when I walk through the darkest valley, even then God is with me. I I, I don't know what your valley is today, but I told you full cards on the table. I'm 26 now. And I've experienced probably my darkest valley of my life this year. I forgot. I forgot that God was with me. I needed people to remind me that he was near. Because this valley of 2020, I didn't plan for this. I didn't foresee this valley. I didn't know this was going to happen. Do you remember the plans that you had for 2020 before the year began? There were awesome plans in my family. I'll tell you one. My wife and I were like, girl, well, I told her girl. She didn't call me a girl. (laughs) I told my wife, girl, let's have a baby in 2020. This is the perfect year. It's a great like birth year when our son or daughter looks back on 2020. They could say I was born that year. Perfect vision. Our son came in 2019. So that didn't go as planned for us. However, I'm so grateful 
because I could not imagine my wife being pregnant this year. The amount of stress and anxiety that we experienced together, it would have undoubtedly affected our baby. I've seen so many things this year, y'all, that break my heart. I saw, I saw weddings get postponed. I unfortunately saw marriages destroyed. I saw people doing self-harm and really all around the country, self-harm being at an all-time high, but God's presence. Here's what happens in God's presence. Here's what God's presence brings. God's presence brings freedom. God's presence brings hope. God's presence brings purpose. And I don't know about you, but in my plan for 2020 and beyond, I need some of God's presence in my plans. I need God's presence to be my plan. I don't need to know exactly what I'm going to do in 10 years, but I need to know, God, please be with me. Because here's something that stands out from that psalm that's popular. David wrote, even when I walk through the valley, a lot of us, if we're honest, we're sitting in it this morning. You're sitting in the valley. Because the valley is, like I said, it's just so long. It's overbearing. You've given up. God is calling us to walk today. God is calling us to look to him today. You know, I didn't grow up in church. It's funny, when I was 13 years old, I had this like dancing moment for this girlfriend. It was a terrible turn. It's the carpet. The carpet is really... (laughs) I had that moment and literally family, several months later at 14, I walk into a church like this for the very first time. Then several months after that, I walk into uh, this camp in in the mountains of Pennsylvania to my first ever youth retreat. And it was at that retreat that I experienced God's presence for the very first time. And I've never been the same again. At 14 year old me, I didn't know what my future held, but get this, I knew God at that moment and God's presence. And if he holds my future, I'll be okay. Do you believe that this morning? God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but if your presence is with me, I don't need another plan. Just plan to be with me, God. But God doesn't stop there. If you're taking notes, here's number two. God's presence sets you apart. God's presence, that's the plan. But also he says, okay, I'm also gonna set you apart. If there's anyone that knew that God's presence set them apart, it was Moses. This is the third guy I'm talking about. I hit Gideon, which we'll come back to Gideon. I hit David and now Moses. Moses knew that our good efforts, they're not good enough. Fam. Moses knew that our goodness and, and that favor, they don't come horizontally. They come from our vertical relationship with God. I'll prove it. Look at Exodus 33, starting at verse 12 with me. Bible says one day, I love when the Bible says one day. It just gives me a little bit of whimsy. Anyway, I love the Bible. One day, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember, God, remember, don't forget that this nation is your very own people. And God replied, I will personally go with you. Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. 
And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Can somebody say amen this morning? Y'all, God's word is so good. It's so good. It's alive. It edifies. It speaks. Ooh, I'm feeling it up here. Here's what I feel like Holy Spirit just told me. I know that at the beginning of the talk, God tells you, I am with you. Somebody in this room needs to know God knows you by name. That's it. That's what I felt led to share with you off my notes. God knows you by name. Let that sink in. God knows you by name. Thank you, God. Moses asked God, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people if your presence doesn't come with us? What else is going to set us apart if not you? And then God told Moses, I'll personally go with you. (laughs) Here's what I want to point out. The Israelites, the people of God, there were several things that set them apart from every other people group. As a matter of fact, uh, their worship tradition and even their dietary restriction, it was different to other people groups. I'm from New York City, and uh, I lived in Washington Heights, upper Manhattan area my whole life. And when somebody from like Brooklyn, Brooklyn in the house, thank God, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Love you, Brooklyn. Uh, if somebody from Brooklyn or, or Queens or Bronx or any other borough comes to Washington Heights, we know immediately. Not because we don't love them, it's just because, you know, they're different. Same thing here with the Israelites. When they pull up to any other town, there's no question that they're set apart, that they're different. But that's not what Moses is talking about, is it? Maybe I could explain it like this. Your career your family, your legacy, your athletic gifting, your unique personality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those good things that you bring to the table, that's like decor. The presence of God is the house. Like these trees up here, beautiful, just been right here. These trees are beautiful decor. I love it, but without the building, they're just trees on the street, aren't they? That's true of our spiritual life. That's true of us trying to live in pursuit of God without God or live in pursuit of success without God. What happens is we just look good. (laughs) Moses, Moses knew, and what he's saying in 2020 New York terms, I don't want to just look good, Papa. Say that a lot. I don't want to just look good, Papa. I want to be holy. I want to be set apart. I don't, here's the thing, family. You being good is not good enough. The Bible says that our works, our good works are like filthy rags before the Lord. And I'm going to tell you why that's good news. Because our effort, when our effort ends, God's presence begins. You see what I'm saying? I've tried so much my whole life before church to figure out why did my dad, my earthly father, die when I was two. I tried so stinking hard. I couldn't figure it out and it frustrated me. And I tried to journey uh, throughout my life without God. That's why when God pulled up on my life at 14, I knew I'm like, okay, God, I still don't know if my earthly dad is up there, but I know that you are with me. Let's go. God's presence sets us apart. And Moses understood that. A few weeks ago, I was in Abilene, Texas, and uh, my co-pastor, Alexandra, and I, we, we interviewed, you know, a potential intern for next summer. And this young woman, she had an awesome story, grew up in in church, amazing legacy of faith in her family, morally sound, just incredible young lady. 
But she said something that stuck with me. She said, my whole life, she was describing her relationship with God. Jesus was a safety net. So she, being, you know, a good girl, good Christian girl, would just live her life, do her thing, walk like this. And then when she messes up, hope that she falls on the safety net that is Jesus. But she said everything changed when she became aware that God doesn't just stay in the church building when she goes home. She said everything changed when she realized that God comes with me, that is with me. And so instead of being a safety net, she said, man, God is my safety blanket. Here's why this is significant. The safety blanket never comes off. The safety blanket reminds her of who she is. The safety blanket is steady and consistent in comfort, even when she fails. Friends, I feel like some of us in this room this morning, you've been walking alone and then falling into God. And that's good, but there's more. There is more. God didn't just make you to watch you live. God made you to live with you, in stride with you, in rhythm with you. And I get passionate because 14-year-old me didn't know it until I experienced it. If you've never experienced the presence of God in this room, I'm going to tell you right now, the presence of God is real and the presence of God is here. I'm praying that you experience that before you leave this morning, not as a net, but as a blanket. I love that Moses set the example of how not to put God in a box. Moses walked intimately with God and his assignment was to lead God's people to the promised land. But he knew, he knew that without God's presence, he wasn't gonna go. He's like, I'm not going unless you come. If you take notes, here's the last point. God's presence allows you to keep going. Moses is one of several people that God asked to lead his people out of something and into something else. I want to go back to Gideon now, as promised, because Gideon's story is so fascinating to me. I see so much of me in Gideon. And so let's pick up the story, Judges chapter 6, the end of verse 12 and then to, to 13. Gideon's response, sir. If the Lord is with us, why, why, if the Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Does that sound like anybody this morning? Because it sounds like me. God, if you're really with me, what's up? Mm. And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, but God, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? How can I, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the weakest or the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one Man, I so relate to that. And if I may put it in New York terms one more time, I feel like when God showed up to Gideon, Gideon was like, really? No, 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 like, really? You know what I mean? Like, just questioning, full of doubt, like, come on, come on. Ain't no mighty hero here. Ain't no mighty warrior here. Where you been, God? It's been seven years. Gideon was asking fair and reasonable questions to God. And God's response is not this elaborate plan to lead Gideon to victory. God's response is, I am with you. 
man. But God, in the past, I, I am with you. But God, my family, I am with you. But God, you don't get it. My kids are so far from, I am with you. I feel like God needs to just shut us up sometimes, doesn't he? And I love it. Watch this, that when he shuts us up, it's not with a big explanation of what he's doing. He shuts us up with a promise of what he's going to do. I don't know about you, but I don't need a detailed plan. Just God, be with me. I'll keep going if I see you. Check this out. There's a shift that happened. Gideon kept saying, I, but I can do it. How am I going to do it? But I am the least of these. And here's a little wordplay for you for my poetic people. Gideon moved from I to I lift my eyes up to the hills and know that my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We're focusing on the wrong eye. It's not I, it's God. Give me eyes to see you because you're with me. Even in the valley, God, you're with me. Even when I'm hiding under a tree, you're with me. Give me eyes to see that. I don't want to miss it, God. I don't want to miss it. What's crazy, family, is that in verse 14 of Judges 6, God's presence is the plan. In verse 16 of Judges 6, God's presence sets them apart. And for the rest of Judges chapter 6 and 7, God tells Gideon, I got your concern, I'll be with you. Yeah, but here you want proof? And he meets that proof. Oh, but I need this? And he meets that so that Gideon can keep going. God's presence is enough. Even when Gideon doubts, even when Gideon has a fear, and even when you and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's presence being with us is enough. The gospel The gospel is the story of God doing just that, leaving heaven in the form of Jesus and coming to be with us. 33 years he lived with humans, sinless. Then he died for our sins. And then he resurrects in three days. And he proves that he defeated death, but before he ascends to heaven, literally, y'all, let me paint this picture because we've heard this before. Jesus was rescuing the world right now, okay? He rescued the world is what he was doing. He rose again, and before going to be at the right hand of the Father, he's like, let me pull up on my 11 disciples real quick. And so he just comes before going to be with the Father, and he hangs out with the 11 disciples, and he tells them this, and he's telling you this today. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Imagine that, fam. When I read the Bible, I like to kind of try to be in the room. Imagine these 11 disciples that were with Jesus just for three, three and a half years. And before he ascends to be with the Father, he drops the weight of this mission on them saying, hey, bro, huddle up. The cowboys keep losing, so we need, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. He says, guys, move in. People are dying without me. And I need you to step it up, do it right, go make disciples around the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All right. But before leaving, he understands, God understands the weight of that is too much for you and I to carry. It's too much. We will stop right there. 
Some of you guys in this room are like, Manny, but you don't get it. My kid won't come to church. He or she is so far from God. No one is too far for my God. No one. But Manny, you don't get it. My spouse, man, they're just, they're just not willing. They want a divorce. You don't get it. My God restores all things, no matter how broken it is. But you see, the weight of this moment is so heavy that if you're going to do it alone, it's going to break you. You can't do it alone. That's why this message, although elementary and just perhaps a reminder, one of my mentors told me Christianity is less about learning new things and is more about remembering what you already know. Let me remind you today that God tells you four words. I am with you. Is that enough for you this morning? I'll be honest. I'm a pastor at a church, (laughs) but it's not enough for me sometimes. I struggle with that sometimes. And I need people in my life and my community to remind me that God is with us, not just me. (laughs) That for my brother and sister in New York who don't believe that God is with them too, who are the thems in your life, in your world? Christianity could be so much about I, but I, y'all remember what Gideon, no, 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 don't look at I, Gideon. Lift your eyes. Lift your eyes because the God that's with you is also with you fill in the blank. So before Jesus leaves after dropping that bomb of the mission, he says, I'll be with you until the end of the age. Watch this. It's not just until you fail again. You know, it's not just until you perform and then underperform and then I'm done. It's not until the next pandemic. It's not even until you die. God is with you until the end of the age. I can't even quantify that. How long is that? I don't know. Beyond me dying, God is still with me. What a promise. What a promise. The mission is big, family, but Jesus goes with you. Jesus goes with you. God is not a 13-year-old boy. God is not a 13-year-old boy that tells you, I'll be with you. And then two months later, walks away. God is not a man that needs to borrow words from a song like I did when I was a teen in order to tell you his commitment to you. God is your creator and his desire is to be with you. And he demonstrated his commitment to you, watch this, with the perfect symphony of his life, the harmony of his blood poured out, and the trumpet sound of victory in his resurrection. Why? So that you can live in rhythm with him for all of your days. That's why. So let's draw near to him today. Because he initiated it first. (laughs) We draw near to him because he first drew near to us. And I thank God because even to love God, I need God's help. Thank you, God. Draw near to him today because his presence changes everything. Let's pray. God, you are holy. God, you are mighty. God, you are good. Lord, in this moment, I sense your presence. It's not about feeling, Lord, I know that. But Father, there's something about the tangible presence of God being with us that we can remember that your presence is the plan for our lives, that your presence can set us apart and that your presence, Lord, is what keeps us 
going. Father, I pray for the people that aren't in the room this morning. Father, there are people that are members of our church that haven't been back to the building since before COVID. Father, some that are far from you right now because of the valley of 2020. And God, we pray as a family in the mighty name of Jesus, wherever they are, will you whisper the same four words you told us this morning? I am with you. God, you don't need a building. God, you don't need a preacher. God, you don't need instruments. God, you don't need music. God, you don't need any of that. God, all we need is you and your presence. God, if you go with us, if you go with us, we'll be all right. (laughs) And so God, for, for the people in the room, I just ask, will they experience your presence this morning? Will they leave this place knowing without a shadow of a doubt, not necessarily what the plans are, but that God is with them? Will you do that, Lord? Because I believe, God, that in our valleys and on our mountaintop, you're with us in both places. You see us in both places, and you've called us in both places. I love you so much, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.